Hello there. Welcome everybody to the another edition to another edition of our show. I'm Bojan Stanislavski coming to you from Warsaw, Poland. And uh, with me is uh, Dr. Maria Czerna. She's coming to you from Bucharest, Romania. Uh, let's talk about news from Eastern Europe. And uh, today I want to begin with uh, a very kind of divisive thing, which uh, is getting increasingly irritating for me. Uh, it's the rainbow topic, the topic of LGBT people. Uh, as a person who has been advocating for you know all kinds of LGBT rights uh, and inclusion, uh, I find it really actually offensive to me what's happening right now. And what is happening is that uh, we what we see is increasingly kind of framing the whole topic, uh, not according to some universal standards that, for example, that, that used to be the topic, right? Like gay marriage, like gay people should also be allowed to marry. Gay people should also be allowed to set up families because family, mm -hmm. marriage uh, it, are, are universal values. I mean, every, across all cultures, everybody knows what, what does it mean to be married? What does it mean to, uh, to have a family? Although they might have different perceptions, like, you know, in terms of, mm -hmm. in terms of some very, very specific arrangements, what it means. But anyway, we, you know, as progressives, we believe in social and economic and, and historical and social, uh, well, social, I already said, progress. So we, we want to see the notions like family expanding and developing and progressing, right? We want to see uh, other people who were until now not able to set up families so that they can do that. And this, this used to be basically one, th this is an example of, of a point around which our advocacy, our activism in this particular field used to be spinned around. And that was something that you could argue with other people. For example, if someone told you that I don't agree because this is going to destroy the family, then I would say, no, this is actually going to allow the notion of family to expand and more families to be formed. And, and you know, there would be some kind of discussion. There would be arguments. There would be uh, debate. There would be a basis for it because, you know, we'd actually... The initial standpoint would be rooted in the material social you know, reality, whereas now it's not like that. Now it's uh, increasingly uh, uh, propaganda themes uh, which are not rooted in reality, but which are rooted in the minds of some activist groups which are liked or disliked, but for the most part liked by uh, Western decision-making centers. And uh, everything with regards to, for example, the LGBT community in Europe, in Eastern Europe, at least, I mean, I don't know about the West, I believe it's pretty much the same now, uh, is not measured by the actual situation of the LGBT people in different countries like Poland or Hungary. We're going to mm -hmm. talk about Hungary later or Bulgaria, Romania, whatever, Russia, right? It's not, it's not measured by that, but it's measured by the amount of hysteria produced by the leadership of those uh, activist organizations. Like, you know, when they are yes. hysterical, then, oh, it means, you know, things are really terrible. And, you know, let, let's just try and break it down here, okay? Because it was the day before yesterday, I think. Um, and just for the record, it's the May 12th, uh, 9.30 a.m. Central European time. So uh, let me show you this. That's an outlet called Notes from Poland, which is another outlet reproducing uh, American Democratic Party's views and kind of enforcing them on uh, the Polish mm -hmm. public opinion or trying to influence the international readership uh, with some kind of uh, with some kind of interpretations, trying to to develop this this. Uh, well, maybe not develop, but strengthen this narrative that in Poland, you know, there is this great clash between Western pro-democratic, pro-liberal forces and 
some weird people like Kaczynski who reject modernity and, and progress and all the rest of it. So uh, we have this, uh, this outlet called News from Poland. Uh, I'm really not a great fan. I think this particular, this particular article that I'm uh, showing here uh, is a piece of really bad, real bad journalism. So it's, it's called Poland remains EU's worst country for LGBT people finds rainbow ranking. Okay, rainbow. Let's see what this rainbow ranking is all about. So the organization is called Ilga Europe. And it says, here's a quote, a quote from the uh, uh, actual article. Poland remains the worst country in the European Union for LGBT people. It, that begs the question, what does it actually mean? And uh, why, how do, you, how do you actually come to the conclusion that it's the worst? Because I understand there can be a group of countries where things are difficult for the LGBT people, but how do you actually come to the conclusion that Poland is worst? You know, worse than Russia, for example, now even, right? Which Russia used to be the kind of, uh, for, for, you know, Western journalists in particular, it used to be the place where all people in uh, the LGBT people in Russia are horribly repressed and so on and so forth. Uh, so uh, this position, the worst country in the European Union for LGBT people, uh, has held, Poland has held since 2020, according to the annual Rainbow Europe Index, Rainbow Europe Index released by ILGA Europe, a Brussels-based NGO. Poland score in the ranking, which takes, uh, takes account of, and now mind the indicators, okay, because this is very important. It takes account of the legal, political, and social environment for LGBT uh, people. I wonder how you measure this. You know, rose slightly from 13 to 15% la last year. Like, how do you measure in terms of percentage the social environment, I wonder? The resulted, that resulted in overtaking non-EU states like Monaco, San Marino, rise from the 40th, 44th to 42nd out of 49 countries in Europe. The top places, and then, you know, it tells you that Malta, Belgium, and whatever, Denmark are really fantastic for LGBT people. Uh, Ilga Europe notes that Poland continues to lack a number of legal rights and protections. Well, yeah, that's true. You know, it continues to lack a number of legal rights and protections, but it's not like things have deteriorated because it has always been lacking them. So, like, I don't quite understand how, how suddenly things are so bad that Poland is, you know, uh, the worst place for LGBT people. It, you know, let's be clear. I mean, I'm sure it's not a paradise for LGBT people, and I'm sure, you know, LGBT people would uh, have a happier life in, the, in a country where they could marry and adopt children and so on and so forth, but, you know, worse, okay, worst. Uh, it also noted that hate speech by central government remained a serious issue. Now, uh, what are we actually talking about? We've had like some incidents two years ago, uh, which we reported, by the way, on this show, where uh, the LGBT community was indeed scapegoated badly by the government and abused, you know, in this information war uh, that uh, the government has launched against its political opponents, you know, including those, you know, LGBT advocacy groups. Uh, and uh, then, you know, what do we have here? In November, Kaczynski described the idea of people declaring their own gender at 12 years old uh, or 12-year-old year girls declaring themselves to be lesbian to be madness that must be opposed. Well, I, where is the hate speech element here? Because I understand this is supposed to be the strongest example of like hate speech. You know, uh, twelve-year-old uh, girls, boys, whatever, declaring what their sexual orientation is before they, you know, uh, they're them reaching the kind of 
level of sexual development where they can actually become self-aware of their own sexuality is madness. And, uh, you know, it's difficult to for me to kind of figure out where exactly is, is, is the hate speech here. And they bring it up as an example. Uh, then uh, Charnek, the Minister of Education, claimed that children are brainwashed, being brainwashed by sex educators. Well, you know, when you come to hear what so-called sex educators in Poland have to say uh, about gender affirmation and stuff like that, you come to think that, you know, many people would agree with uh, this kind of statement. And again, I don't see any hate speech. I mean, hate speech is a is a very concrete and specific kind of speech, uh, which is defined, by the way, legally in many countries, including uh, <clears throat> in certain of hate speech is is banned against certain in certain certain instances of hate speech are banned uh, in the Polish law. So and then there's like uh, in October, Czarnek criticized irresponsible principles who allowed like annual events support over LGBT people. You know that I think that's stupid. But anyway, there is no evidence here, no evidence here, and there is no evidence in this report uh, that it's actually the case that it's actually the case that Poland mm -hmm. is such a bad place for LGBT people. Again, I mean, it's not it's not a paradise, for sure. I said, you know, in the beginning of the program, what points should be introduced and should be made in the political, in the political sphere, what points should be discussed, should be uh, kind of debated, and, and then uh, eventually, when there is enough social support for that, they should be enacted in, uh, in the legal system. Absolutely, yes. But, you know, to claim that Poland is, is like this, this horrible place, I mean, what are you actually talking about? The gay pe I know many gay people, and the gay people here, uh, you know, are, are free to organize their events. They have their bars, they have their, their clubs, they have their, you know, uh, even culture, okay, in a sense, like all, the, all kinds of shows, which are uh, typical for you know, gay culture and so on and so forth. Everything here is allowed and there's, there doesn't seem to be much of a problem with that. And everything that's in place, which is a pro which I find problematic, you know, vis-a-vis -vis my political views, is something that has always been in place and is getting better. I mean, they still cannot marry, they still cannot form official families, they still cannot even have a civil partnership and they should get that at some point. But when you look at actual statistical data, actual statistical data, which is carried out by responsible, not some activist circles, but responsible institutions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like Tata or, you know, have researchers in their ranks, you will see that year by year over the last 30 years, the attitude of the Polish society, regardless of location, regardless of age, regardless of wealth, regardless of any indicators across the social spectrum, the attitude is increasingly better when you you know they are the uh, the research uh, such researchers are conducted every year and questions are asked like you know how do you perceive the question of uh, homosexuality do you find it to be a deviation do you find it to be a dangerous deviation do you find it something tolerable would you uh, would you have uh, would you be happy having i don't know your neighbor being gay, openly gay or something like you know there's there's a whole slew of questions which actually mm -hmm. reveal the social stance, stance, sorry, towards this phenomenon, right? And year by year, I even tweeted that, like, you know, to to uh, <clears throat> to notes of Poland, and and I linked up one such research where you can clearly see that year by year, people are getting more accustomed 
to living and including in the proper social processes gay people. You know, that they don't have any more a problem. Like 30 years ago, they would have a, they would tell you, for example, that they'd have a problem if their stomatologist is gay, right? Now it's not the case. Now they don't have any problem with that. Now they have like, they still have problems. And, and you know, those things should be tackled in some kind of meaningful manner by all those LGBT advocacy groups. But what kind of strategy is this to say that, oh, you're the worst place for LGBT people when actually things are getting better from, uh, from the standpoint of how things are how people are looking at LGBT at the LGBT community as a whole and and their rights and their place in society and so on and so forth so you know in my opinion uh, this is just completely counterproductive stupid and is actually uh, harmful for the cause. You know, yes. And it fuels yes, the right wing. It fuels the right wing uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, propaganda, yes. and, and, and you know, helps them, helps them, helps them somehow uh, make their acrobatics, their propaganda acrobatics, look very look very credible. I would definitely say so. I want to have a title for this program that would be called "Lessons for the Left," and we are going to look at Poland and. Um, Hungary, and try to figure out why, what is going on. And I think the first lesson for the left is to stop essentializing and stop evaluating the place of politicians through the rainbow lens, stop essentializing and reduce everything to that. And the second nail in the coffin that the leftists could uh, uh, could uh, you know have and uh, is the following: Do not conflate the pro LGBT cause with the pro war in Ukraine, pro weapons in Ukraine, pro. NATO, pro-security apparatus, pro-international powerful institutions. Do not conflate the two because this is the second thing that is going to backfire. And the third one, stop conflating the cause of progressive thinking in terms of LGBT and feminism and all the causes that are so much needed and so you know, they are so important for leftist-leaning people with the corporation's tendency to spray social values on their products just to sell them. So let's go to the first one. Oh. Stop essentializing and stop evaluating the political performances and successes of politicians through this lens. For instance... I think Viktor Orban, it's much worse than Kaczynski in terms of his attitude and political views about LGBT uh, people. He even had a project well, we of We don't law. know what his views are. We don't know what his views we are. We only know what, he's, his what he's doing. Views. He's doing and he's scapegoating this minority and I'm willing to accept this. But it is very interesting because I think there is a very hardline right-wing faction in his political party that he wanted to, to satisfy. And, and 
what he did is what he he suggested a law where citizens were encouraged to denounce gay couples. But what is interesting, I think it was a political game. He wanted to have this very tough stance against the LGBT community. And then he had the president of Hungary, who is less important, but still has veto powers. And she vetoed the law he suggested. Now, why do I say it's what important? What do you mean denounce not... gay couples? What does it mean? Well, to denounce, for instance, if a couple of lesbians have a child, the law would ah to report that, like if they okay, report okay. that. But and I okay, think so, that's so that, very that, that would be forbidden by law. That would be forbidden by law for for lesbians to have a child or whatever. Yes, gay yes, or and something. they would encourage citizens and ordinary citizens to denounce <laughs> such couples to the authorities. And now I find this quite problematic, not problematic, yeah. I find this quite violent it's and weird, dangerous. Weird. And it was vetoed by the, the president of Hungary. And then um, why do I say it's important not to judge the performance successes of a politician through this lens? Because news was published a month ago and it was reported that if elections were to be held today in Hungary, one month ago, I mean, if elections were to be held, then, then Viktor Orban would win in a landslide. He would get 10% more of the votes in the parliament, 10% more of the seats in the parliament, and the opposition, the left-leaning centrist liberal opposition, would get 10% less. And that should tell you something, because keep keeping insisting on oh, Orban is bad, Orban is uh, homophobe, Orban is crazy, Orban whatever, leads you know, it, it doesn't offer a pragmatic, rational perspective Success. It simply does. And developing some kind of strategy then, against it. Yes, and, and let me explain this idea that he is a homophobe, he's an awful person, he's a rigid, authoritarian, crazy, whatever. So you have this moral perspective and this and he type can of. Still win elections, you know. And he can still win elections. Then the conclusion what is that the Hungarian people are like that, right? Stupid. Because yeah, they stu stupid, backward, this is yeah. conclusion. homophobic. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, in but... order to extract yourself from this very elitist position, where you judge millions of Hungarians and be of being brainwashed by the cynical politician that is scapegoating sexual minorities and is brainwashing them into believing that the real danger for Hungary is this and. In order to extract yourself from this type of very narrow perspective, you have to look at the broader picture and you have to look at what is he doing that is winning him elections? Because exactly. that cannot be the only source of his success. I mean, come on, of course. Uh, do you find, do, do you see, sorry, but I just want to ask this question because this is so, like, do you really believe that there are those large groups of uh, people who are thinking, how am I going to cast my vote in the upcoming elections? I'm looking for a homophobic politician who's going to <laughs> wipe off the LGBT community off you know, uh, the face of, of, of Hungary. Like, I'm really looking matters. for someone. 
the, I'm looking for a party who's th that's going to discriminate, openly discriminate against gay gay people. Where is this party? <gasps> Fidesz, thanks. You know, I mean, this is ridiculous. This is not how how it works. This is just window dressing. Okay, this is just decorum. I'm not saying it's unimportant. I'm not saying it's not bad. You know, you can have all kinds of opinions about it. But you know, Maria, is, you're totally right. You cannot break your political understanding through something which is just, you know, hype, being hyped up all the time. You have to look into the in-depth, like what is the essence of the political process that has allowed Orban to be in power for over a decade now. And, uh, and I think it's also very important to see that there were protests by intellectuals in the Hungarian Science Academy. Then there are protests by the teachers because they uh, Orban wants to strip them of their status of public functioner and uh, um, they, they now enjoy certain rights and they strike for a lot of time. And even a few days ago, it was, I think, on the 4th of May, yeah. The day before yesterday, they had a protest where thousands of, of um, teenagers protested uh, in front of the building where Viktor Orban uh, uh, has his office. And uh, tear grass was uh, used against the protesters. And also uh, there were arrests. Uh, some people were detained, five people, I would say. So there is discontent. There is, there are problems, yeah. there are strikes. And still, still, this guy came to power through an electoral process that allowed him to win elections. And I think there yeah. are causes, as important causes, and I think the first one is that, I don't know, I think he's cynical, and I think there is an element of, of, of huge cynicism. Let us remember the politician that was, you know, drafting the law, against LGBT people in the sense that they had this uh, law that was conflating pedophile, the pro-pedophile propaganda with pro-LGBT people. It was a very controversial law that was passed a couple of years ago and they wanted to define the family as the union between the men and the women and all the rest. And you had that politician, that sire, I think was his name, that was caught in Brussels just, you know, yeah. Um, on a pipeline that he was just trying to escape a gay party that was raided by the cops. I mean, how ridiculous is that? And there is a huge element of hypocrisy, cynicism, and all the rest. But I tend to believe, this is only a hypothesis, but I tend to believe that part of the success of Orban is that I don't know how much is theatrics, and I don't know how much he does it just to win elections, but it seems to be working that he's going against his bosses. He's criticizing oh, the American embassy. He uh, was denied 22 billion euros by the European Commission because they said he went against the rights, but he went to us and he managed to cut a deal with the bureaucrats there. Then he said that he thinks that Ukraine is a non-existent economically, currently is not existent, and it is the West that is pro prolonging the war. And I think it was Jake Sullivan, if I'm not, oh no, not Jake Sullivan, Borel, Borel uh, mm -hmm. said that. Jungle, Jungle yes, Joseph. Is, <laughs> yes, and it is in the best interest of the West that the war continues. So 
Borrell confirmed basically what Orban was saying. And he said he's going to buy oil from Russia because he wanted, I don't know, probably there is a lot of cynicism, populism. Uh, yeah, but the all the best doesn't matter really. Want to subscribe to it, but it doesn't matter because it seems it to be working. So the first lesson, do not judge, do not essentialize his entire activity to one political stance in a one issue, you know, that of the LGBT. That is very important. Now, the second thing, um, also very important, and I, I saw this tendency in feminist groups. Maybe I'm not uh, here and people would say, oh, you'll have to talk to LGBT people and let them express this point mm. of view. Well, let us talk all the cultural, so to speak, elements in leftist uh, fights, leftist progressive, you know, uh, agenda. Um, feminism and the LGBT. Let us not conflate the two with a pro-Western agenda because this is a nail in our coffin as leftists. We have to be serious enough to be pro-peace, anti-war, to, to advance our political agenda without putting such causes as some sort of substance that can be sprayed on, on, uh, on the political uh, and on the, to give pro basically legitimacy for institutions that are in and out of themselves very, very, um, reactionary, I would say. How could you well, yeah, conflate yeah. the pro-war agenda and to have feminist there organizations, you, you know, supporting such a, such a blatant, authoritarian, disgusting institution, security institution that is advocating for war and is pouring weapons into a country. I mean, you should have to be insane to believe that the Ukrainian women's best interests are served by pouring weapons there. More that the, the interest of Polish women, of Romanian women, will be best served when you have the head of the, the how is this called, the European police, um, Europol, Europol, right? You have the head of Europol saying that this is a major risk for the security of the area because there is no, in a situation of war, in a situation, a corrupt country like Ukraine was, and Western institutions recognize that it was a corrupt country, so this is not debatable. So are you expecting suddenly that all Ukrainians are angels and they are going to take the weapons and no weapon is going to fly away into yeah, the hands of the mafia and all the rest? How can you believe that such, such a measure is in the best interest of Ukrainian women and of, of women in the region in general? So to conflate the interest of the LGBT people with the interests of, of, uh, of the Western uh, powerful elites and, and, and NATO and other security institutions is just madness. And this is a nail in the coffin and it will backfire. And it will backfire in the sense that people will, will use this because I saw this on Russian Telegram channels and I saw this on channels where I go to see, you know, and to see vile misogynism, you know, <laughs> at its best. And 
they conflate. I don't know how much is cynicism or how much is sincere, but they conflate pro-LGBT and feminism with a pro-Western agenda. And by they, I mean the general public um, in, in countries like Hungary, in countries like Russia, I saw this oh. on, on Telegram channels, how they basically conflate the two, the LGBT movement, the feminist movement, and the pro-Western uh, agenda. And this is, this is going to backfire because the moment, the moment the U.S. is not going to be able to exert its power through military means, they are going to drag us, feminists and LGBT, with them into a hole. Uh, it you already happened, I mean? I'm afraid, but we can talk about it in the next segment. Yeah. And uh, the, let's let's yes, just wrap it up here, if you allow. Wanna, yeah. No, uh, Okay, okay, we'll wrap it, but I want to say also about the corporations because, because, you know, there are these liberal elites that say, oh, it's, it's, it's a huge problem because you had the church supporting you in that cause. I mean, the church and conservative groups became Satan. But I say there is another Satan that has to be taken into account here, especially for feminist and LGBT groups. And that is the corporations that are using these causes exactly like uh, uh, the, the Western governments and elites are using those you portray themselves as progressives and that are yeah. the corporations. Which, by the way... No, it's widely known. It even has a name, Boyan. It's called fanvertising. I mean, advertising oh, I... that is using <laughs> feminist values okay. to portray the company and the products as progressive. So they are using feminism. They are using LGBT as a substance to be sprayed mm. on products to be sold. And this is the, 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 the second big in the coffin of progressive movements and probably will be the activist movements in and out of themselves. But that will be okay. for, for another. Yeah. All right. Let, let, let's the just wrap it up here and finance, let's continue our the discussion. Function. Yeah. Let's continue our discussion in the next segment. Okay. All right. So just for the very...